Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you think you can solve any problem by turning your computer off and on. Hey man, is something wrong with your laptop? Nah, I just need to turn it off and on. It's no problem. It's smoking. Yeah, that just means it needs to reboot. Truth, it's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. And now it's on fire. Happens all the time. It's all good. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. When tracking the domestic dust bunny, you commonly find them hiding under wardrobes next to lost socks. Don't move too suddenly or they'll scurry off. What's utterly fascinating about the dust bunny is that although they are not actually sentient creatures, when they hear that Geico not only saves people money, but also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating, it's obvious to them you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Oh no, it's the dust bunny's only natural predator. Run along, dust bunnies, run along. This is one-on-one with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is one-on-one with Jasper Cole. Woohoo! All right, howdy, 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 and welcome to another edition of One-on-One with Jasper Cole. This is your host, Mr. Jasper Cole, and we are live at Temple Bay Studios right here in Hollyweird, California. First of all, I'm so thrilled because my producer, co-host, Mr. John Williams, is back in the house. Hey, I'm happy to be back. Thank you. Hey, JW. How are you? <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm Good loving to see it. <laughs> you. It's been a while because you do all of this work behind the scenes. Right. But we had to have you in today because of our special guest we're yes. going to get to. Woo-hoo. We're in just a moment, but I want to let everyone know, please follow us on social media. media. Now it's Jasper Cole Says on Instagram, yeah. Jasper Cole Says, S-A-Y-S on uh, Twitter, and then go to Facebook, Jasper Cole. When tracking the domestic dust bunny, you commonly find them hiding under wardrobes next to lost socks. Don't move too suddenly or they'll scurry off. What's utterly fascinating about the dust bunny is that although they are not actually sentient creatures, when they hear that Geico not only saves people money, but also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating, it's obvious to them you should switch. Because, yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Oh, no, it's the dust bunny's only natural predator. Run along, dust bunnies, run along. Cole and website jaspercole.com. And that pretty much covers it. It's all Jasper Cole. It's all Jasper Cole. (laughs) Just way too much Jasper Cole. No, Um, it's never too much. A shout out to BS Podcast Networks, our host, hosting site. And this episode is going to, uh, well, you're listening to it now, so it's out. Yeah. Okay. Listen, we want to get to our special guest, um, who we've been... Trying to get on for quite a while. We're having some technical. Oh, there I we go. I think that's the spirit, that the spirit in the spirit in the, in the studio. Oh my god! Always happens Always when you have. Happens. Yes, okay. Yes. Well, uh, full disclosure. Um, I know this guest from the gym because we 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 get into long political discussions at the gym. We really haven't gotten into too much of. Uh, what we're going to talk about today, because I've been trying to get him on our show for yeah. a year and a half, and I wanted to save all that for our conversation. But today's guest is a paranormal psychic. He's an author. His book is called Keymaster. That's been out and going all over the world, and people love it. And he's got a new book that's coming out soon called Accidental. Pro- See, there it goes. Oh hell, Accidental Prophet. Wow. He's also a numerology life coach and expert. Um, let's start off by saying that. Um, 
this all happened because of a near-death experience. Right. And he's going to tell us all about it. But please welcome the amazing Peter Anthony. Hey, Peter. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, What's guys. happening with the ghost here today? <laughs> well, I have to tell you, every time we film, when I film anything, and, and I always have problems with the... Technical stuff? Always technical stuff. You don't want me to talk. <laughs> it just it happens. Fine, right? It's not yours. Right before we go on, things just go cattywampus. Yeah. Yep. And it oh. just drives me crazy. <laughs> this never happens here. Never. So let me Anybody go. Let me, me go get Brandon. We'll say. Yeah, but we're going to keep talking. <laughs> yeah, because this is like amazing. But so Peter, everyone, Peter was on the fast track in L.A. in working in the entertainment industry. Was an uh, image consultant. First of all, tell everyone what what was an image consultant. I was a freelance image consultant for CBS News. I was working with Diane Sawyer, Dan Rather, God, who else? Leslie Stahl, Face the Nation. I was the it boy at CBS. And in the middle of my, of my career, I had a near-death experience. I flatlined on November the 11th uh, in operating room 11. I died for 11 minutes. So I clinically died 11-11, November the 11th, 1997, at 11-11 p.m. in room 11. Was it your birthday? N- it was oh, my birthday. It, yeah. Yes, it was my birthday. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was also your birthday. It was also my birthday. So, you know, at the time, of course, I wasn't into any of this stuff. So I just didn't believe in anything. I mean, I was agnostic, if you you want to put a category to it. But I believe that you kind of live, you die, you you make your money, you get in a relationship, you get a dog, a cat, and children. All you can get. And boom, you're out of here, you know, and that's that's called life. And that all changed because of my near-death experience. So part of that near-death experience afforded me the opportunity to learn about numerology because when I crossed over, um, I kept seeing all these numbers, quantum physics, and triple codes, 222-333-555-999, had absolutely no idea what they were. So when I came back into my body, the first thing that I asked for was give me numerology books. I couldn't get enough about numerology. And with that, Which, by the way, had you had any interest in that? No, I had no interest in numerology. All stuff. about career and showbiz. Yeah, and it was all and, about obviously, you know, right. the, the the being the next hot person in Los Angeles right. and right. climbing the ladder of success. Blah. So yeah, so, so yeah. these numbers were just basically catapulted me into a whole new career, if you will. Um, you know, I and think let's, the, let's go back because when sure. you were on the other side. Or mm. I, in the tunnel, yeah. as you like to talk about. By the way, everyone can go to accidentalprofit.com to check out uh, Peter's uh, site and everything. So you'll see videos of, of this as well. But when you were in the tunnel and you were on the other side and you had sort of were with the Ascended Master, which you were, we can say is God, or you can make it whoever you want it to be, right? You were, you were given the choice to actually stay or come back. Yeah, I was given a choice, and that's something I talk about uh, in both my books. Every day we're given a choice. We, we don't really think about it, but an example, the choice to be here today, the choice to have JW in a, a part of this group you know, conversation, that's all about choice. Right. So I was given a choice to come back, and for me, uh, that's when my life began to change because, one, I realized that all of us are given a choice you know, jobs, relationships, you know, uh, you know, uh, anything. So for me, that concentration taught me how to guide my life towards better choices. Right. You know, so for me, it was just, it was this, the first key to my success. Okay. So take us back. Sure. Um, when, 
you had you had been dealing with an ulcer basically that you had not really taken care of because you were too busy working like all of us. And what were you late? I 20s? was misdiagnosed. Just, yeah, I was late twenties. Yeah, and um, they gave they said I had a stomach ulcer, so they were feeding me Tagamet. Oh, Tagamet. I yeah. remember Tagamet. Remember that? And he was yeah. like, you know, we were stressing out, so take Tagamet. So anyway, I was bleeding, and I was I didn't even know I had tuberculosis, and I, you know, so for like six months, I, you know, when you're busy. And you're in the news division. You just don't take. And you're in your twenties. Yeah, you, you're, you're, you're you know, invincible. You're, yeah, you are invincible. Right. And anyway, on November the 11th, I kind of paid for it. I so I have to take responsibility here. Did you end up at Cedars? Or which? No, I ended up. I was on working on a gig in, in Texas. I ended up in. Oh, in, you were in, in Dallas. Oh, you were out of state. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're away from. That's my fear. I don't. I always had this. I shouldn't say horrific. fear. But I always had this thing when I travel. I just don't want to be sick outside of home. So that made it even more intense. Oh, yeah, not knowing. And, of course, my first time in the hospital. Ever. Ever. Wow. wow. And so it was just all, you know. And was, never really thinking this was going to become a life or death situation. Well, because- no, we were at a rap party, and I was great. And all of a sudden, I got sick, and I, I went to the bathroom, and I was just bleeding. And I bent over in pain. I said, hey, guys, I think I got to go home. <laughs> what about my suit? Ruined yeah. my suit. Well, that became my death sentence because I changed into some thrift clothes and went into the hospital. And the, um, uh, you know, they thought I was homeless. Right. And so I was in the middle of the AIDS Then they epidemic. really didn't want to help you. They didn't want to help me. So it just became kind of a, a set of circumstances that were just unbelievable. Well, and so, like you said, this was in 1987 when it was the height of the AIDS epidemic, and they were not, people would just be thrown over in the corner. Well, myself included. Yeah. You know, and it happened all around the nation, and so they... Were you you starting to, like, lose consciousness at at this point, or was this just... Oh, in and out of consciousness, absolutely. I was dying in the hallway. They kind of pushed me in in a hallway and left me there to die. Right, and so when the actual... When you went into the tunnel and you were up above, the, you had heard similar stories, right, over the no, years? No, I had never even heard of a near-death experience. So okay. for me, when I was in the operating room, I saw this tunnel spinning around, and I didn't know what it was. And so I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know. Wow. You were like being drawn towards this tunnel. But interesting about that, something attached itself to my solar plexus. Right. And I was hovering over, meaning Peter Anthony, was looking at Peter Anthony on the operating table. And that was where I had gone to fat, flatline procedure. And I was watching, I'm being vacuumed into this tunnel. Mm. Now, at the, if there were any, if you could remember, was there any sense of fear at the, that point? Oh, or just absolutely confusion not. Or? No, there wasn't any confusion. There was anyone like, what's this tunnel? You, you weren't thinking that. In fact, what you were feeling was complete peace. Peace. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're going through this tunnel and you're going, wow, man, look at all these numbers. You know, look at all this. And I was downloading so much information. I tell so many of my my uh, listening audience that imagine the mind of Darwin and, and Tesla and Einstein and Edison. That stuff was coming in at record speed, and I was getting it. And again, I want listeners to know this is not anything Peter ever had interest in. It's not like he was interested in numerology before, or he really thought about the afterlife because, like he said, he was agnostic basically. Um, so that's important for people to understand is that this was all brand new stuff that was coming at you. Fast. That makes it amazing, too, the fact that you didn't even know the tunnel process. You know? I didn't know about a near-earth experience yeah. until... Until you had one. Uh, well, no, I didn't even know then because 
it, I had no idea what had happened because when mm -hmm. I came back, I told the doctors I went through this tunnel and they were looking at me like I was a whack job. So everything was denied. So, you know, and I came back and I have to say something. I used to stutter. When oh, I that's came important back, to tell people. Yeah, yes. I used to stutter. And so when I came back, the first thing I, you know, recognized that was so different was, oh my God, I, you know, I'm not stuttering. And, um, and then I just started telling the doctors and the nurses and anyone who listened to me, I died and I talked to God and I saw all these numbers and I, I tapped into collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. And also when you, were, when you were on the other side, you kind of were shown what you were not going to have an easy recovery. If you chose <laughs> no. to come back, it was not going to be easy. You were going to be two and three months. It was probably a year. Well, it was seven years of recovery, two years of medical recovery. Right. And I was blind. I was in a wheelchair. Um, you know, so for me, the recovery process was difficult, but the most difficult thing was sharing my truth mm -hmm. and no one would listen Nobody to me, to hear it. the doctors, the nurses, and I wasn't even, you know, I started seeking out priests and, and ministers and rabbis and men and women of the cloth and no one would listen. Well, did you, when you first came back and you were conscious and you started thinking about all this, were you hesitant to even share it at nope. first? Oh, I, you were I like, mean, the first Ow. thing I popped up, you know, when I started talking, I said, there's a doctor looking over, Mr. Anthony, Mr. Anthony, can you hear me? It's, yeah, you're not going to believe what happened to me. I saw God and he talked to me. And like, you know, and the, the nurses are looking at me like, oh my God. But then at some point, do you remember, was there someone that you finally connected with that sort of? Well, there was a woman that had been, uh, you know, while I was in uh, intensive care, I was unconscious for three and a half weeks. Interesting enough, she had had a near-death experience. So while I was recovering, she would bring numerology books mm. and read them to me while I was unconscious. And so when I got came back, I everything she taught me, I memorized. So that became the first part of my new awakening. So talk to us, to the audience, about the number 11, which has, has been so prominent in your experience. Well, one of the things that happened to me is, is that I died on November the 11th at 11, 11 p.m. for 11 minutes wow. in operating room 11. On your birthday. On my birthday. So these moments are, you don't forget, right? But for me, the numbers, the 11, 11 started popping up for me everywhere I went. And so I didn't know what it was. So this is the whole... I guess, the eagerness of studying numerology. And back in the 80s and even in the 90s, there were no triple codes or, or 1111 books out. So I basically just had to kind of learn. And so while I was working for CBS News, I, was, I would grab people, what's your birthday? You know, what's your real name? And I started grabbing people, and I did free readings for seven years. So you went back to work. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, you had I, to. I went back to work, you know, months and months later. Right, but I mean, you went back into your into your old world it, I went to, back make, about to live, year, to yeah, make money. Yeah, I, I had to, But yeah. that was probably, that was even more interesting because you're in this world that you left and you're sort of got all this new perspective and I don't know, we're, how well, was that? Well, for me, working? working in the news division and traveling around the country and working with so many different celebrities at the time, I just kept my mouth shut. Right. And everyone was like, oh, you look different and you sound different. Um, of course, I was 89 pounds. I stayed 89 pounds for oh, two you years. you were camera ready. Yeah. I was. <laughs> so, in L.A., they thought you looked yeah, like, fabulous. Oh, wow. looking guy. Great. Can so, we have an ulcerated colitis <laughs> yeah. and a tapeworm? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, so for me, as I said, the, the study of numerology was just was I, I was obsessed. Right. And um, it's interesting, too, because all the, the numbers, as I began to study, it, it all made sense. Mm. Well, that's and, what's interesting. Like... You were this whole other person now, and it, it all clicked. 
Well, here's something with it. I was didn't believe in anything, so I came back spiritual and believing in God. Mm-hmm. I had absolutely no. I was like in school, math was my least favorite subject. Right. I mean, so for me, math was like just foreign to my consciousness. So it was a whole different realm of thinking. And but also, when you were on the other side, um, if I'm remembering correctly, you were also shown what your career could look like if you came back, lecturing and writing books and right, everything. Yeah. So for everyone to understand it, you were sh- while you knew the recovery was going to be difficult, there was something beyond that that you could see because you were going to have this whole other life of teaching and lecturing. and. Well, yeah. I mean, part of it, I saw myself writing books. Well, for me to sit down and write a book was in itself right. was impossible. Two, traveling around the country, the world speaking on my near-death experience, when I didn't even know what a near-death experience was, right. was, you know, just as weird. And I think, you know, leaving the television and film industry and uh, and becoming front and center, if you will, as a talent mm-hmm. was also foreign to my consciousness and leaving the news division. So it was just so, so, so bizarre for me. And after periods of time, as I said, people stopped listening to me, didn't care. So I became an introvert. Uh, and started reading and more and more of, of numerology and astrology. And then that one moment in your life that changes everything in your life, I got a phone call from a, from a homicide detective that was working on, a, on a, an unsolved murder case, if you will, that was just going in the wrong direction and revolving around numerology and special effects. Mm. And so, Do you know how they thought of well, you? Well, people heard about me, right. you know, all my free clients. Got you got to see this guy. And so they... Uh, I went to the, uh, I guess, to the crime scene, and this is where the whole spirit world began to appear to me. Because up to that point, you well, hadn't I'd really s- had that as much, right? No. That- I mean, I had spirits would come to me while I was in the hospital and, and would t- t- talk to me about how, what kind of medicines and homeopathic remedies I should be taking. But really, the numerology had been the big thing that what you was were the core d- at ingredient that moment. of what I was doing. So now, now, when you got to this crime scene, which you had I never... just used numerology. You look at the time of death. You look at the address. You look at the full name of the person that was the victim and the, and the person that was the suspect. I pulled it all together, and boom, I solved it. And what was the? Was this a serial killer? Was it a was victim? a copycat serial killer. He was copycatting the uh, Zodiac killer. Oh. And so he had taken 14 boys, and I don't want to go too oh, no, gruesome here, okay. but but anyway, but um, so he basically got their birthdays and their names, and uh, he when I discovered where the, what I consider where the information was due to the spirits I was seeing in the room, um, we discovered the names, the birthdays, their soul numbers, their astrological symbols, their their ascendant signs, all in this wall, oh. and uh, and that led me to a television series called Sightings. Yes, and so that's how I became the young. So the you con- started doing all these. I started immediately, and I was and doing talk shows, talk shows, just out Lisa of, Gibbons. But yeah, you knew Lisa before, right? I had gone on as a makeup artist uh, on her show, Peter PM Magazine. Yeah. Special, you were studying special, special effects. effects. So, yeah, yeah I, I guess canceled, so I was called in to go on her show, and that's how we met. And uh, so, yeah, I was doing all this stuff undercover, and uh, no one knew I got busted in 2007. <laughs> you did? <laughs> yes. What happened? Uh, my boss said, I, I, people are saying that you're a paranormal investigator. And I said, yeah. And I said, why are they saying this? Because they've seen you on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so you were still, I was you were under, still I was, doing both. I was, had a, that was my your day, job. You had your day job. My day job, and on weekends, I'd fly out to whatever sighting I was oh, supposed I to go to. Yeah. And, see, I'm lear- see, I'm learning. Yeah, isn't that great? Learning and stuff. go off on these different ghost, sh- uh, different ghost sightings. Ghost ships. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it is just all kind of, you know, it's one of those things where destiny steps in mm-hmm. and said, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is your authentic purpose. Right. And so it kind of led me to writing books and doing lectures and here I am. You know? Well, and then also there's a great story about how you ended up in Palm Springs because weren't you just thinking about moving somewhere and you almost ran through a red light and hit a truck or something? Yeah, or? I was like, hey, God, okay, I'm supposed to move. I don't want to live in Texas anymore. My career is over. I've turned my – I gave a year's resignation, so I thought, what am I going to do now? Where am I supposed to go? And I ran a red light, and this moving <laughs> truck almost hit me on the on his mark. He says, move to Papa Springs, 888, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's where I'm going. Have you ever been? Well, you had, you'd been, no, no, I've never been no, to Palm in Springs. All the years in LA, I came never to Palm Springs cold turkey. Wow. Yeah. But at that point, but it, if for those of you who don't know Palm Springs, it is sort of a, it's a spiritual, spiritual haven. haven. Yeah. And it, it's funny because there's the, the dichotomy of the resort living and the partying and that kind of life. But there is this very uh, s- sort of uh, holistic, spiritual quality, oh, kind of like a, a New huge, Mexico. Well, it's New Mexico. It's also mm-hmm. like uh, uh, Boulder, Colorado. Right. It just has this vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And there's it's, a lot of people in the community yeah. that are into so spirituality. I, I came to Palm Springs and wrote the book, got it published, and and I hit my the, uh, hit the ground running. So talk about Keymaster. Tell well, everyone. First of all, where could they find the book? Oh, Amazon and Barnes all and Noble. The usual com, all the usual spots. Yeah. And again, it's on your website, my website accidentalprofit.com. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I literally sat down and I couldn't type. You know, so I wrote my book on sticky notes and handed my sticky notes over to a typist and I brought it to Paramount because I knew someone at Paramount and I said, Hey, you gotta read this and she read it, she goes, This is amazing. You need an editor and I met an editor and, and then Who became a lifelong friend, right? Oh, There's, absolutely, yeah. You're still with We're her. We're still friends, yeah, to this day. And she and she doing your new book? Yeah. Wow. She's been with me since two thousand and three. Wow. And uh her husband was atheist. She didn't want to work on it because I was a first-time writer, so she thought I was kind of a nobody. Right. And, uh, and her husband, who was atheist, read the book and, and said, you're working on this book. And so she called me up and said, I'm going to be your editor. And she's been by my side since. And now your new book, Accidental Prophet, you would like to maybe turn that into a film or a TV project, or is that also Keymaster? No, Keymaster is the one that everyone's courting me on. Okay. Yeah, Keymaster is the one that everyone has contacted me and said, we'd really like to turn this into a movie. Because it's, it's in itself is an incredible story. Right. You know, before, you know, the near-earth experience and, of course, the results of what happened to me after my near-earth experience. Right. And how it became Who's going to play you? Who I do you, don't know. You know, you, you got to start at twenty late twenties, right? <laughs> yeah. You got to have the yeah that, the that, twenty. You got to have you know three different. Well, two people. Yeah, well, I'd probably three. I think Sam <laughs> Rockwell. Sam Rockwell could play you. He can pretty much do anything. Yeah, you know, I, I love that guy. Isn't he yeah. great? Yeah, yeah. Toby Maguire, maybe because you have Peter has a very boyish mm-hmm. quality. You know, yeah. still to this day. Yeah, we're but we're all the same. We're in our fifties. JW's young. He's a baby, but. I'm not. I'm not too far from. No, you're about ten really? years behind. He's oh. yeah. yeah. For yeah. the longest time, when I first met JW, I literally thought he was in his late twenties. Because I, mean, I would have guessed other. that now. You look like a kid. I know. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> See now, now he's an old soul. Well, yeah. we're all old souls. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about that. How we're all water signs. Well, it's interesting when you talk about. I've known for my whole life that there's no accidents, and you meet the people you're supposed to meet. And I think I shared with you. I don't know if the audience knows that. When I was 13 and my brother was 16, we were vacationing um, in uh, at the beach in Georgia, and a thunderstorm came up, and one bolt of lightning split 
and hit both of us. And we were knocked 30 yards into the ocean. He was killed instantly and I lived. And um, so I think when you're 13 and you're a kid, the impact of something like that really doesn't stay with you at that time. But I... And now as I've gotten older, I started noticing, you know, I've always, ever since that moment, I've, I've been an old soul. Like, I don't think I was before that. But well, I felt... we, in, in my world of witchy-woo-woo, we call that a walk-in. <laughs> witchy-woo. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, or, and it's also, it's an exit point. Mm-hmm. Um, you did not die. And they don't know how or why. Yeah, and how you survived. Yeah. You know, how many people have had head-on car collisions and have just sort of inked by it. You know, so I've always felt people used to ask me like, "What made you think you could come to L.A. and be an actor and you didn't know anyone?" And I used to say, "Well, what are the odds I'd get struck by lightning and live?" <laughs> right. I mean, I've always been that one percent, and it can go either way. Like that one percent has been good for well, you know what I mean. When they'll say, "Well, the odds are one percent you'll make it in show business," but I'm also that one percent when they say, "Here are all the side effects for medications." Mm. I get every one of them. Well, see, that's me. And that means you did have an near-death experience because anytime you have side effects, anything Everything. that's inexplicable, I get those them all. things, I, I, me too. And to this day, so I have to be so careful what I put into my body. Me too. Well, we, JW also, yeah. we talk about this. Yes. Well, the reason why, if, if you watch that uh, video on YouTube, you know, so much of what the pharmaceutical companies are doing, they're putting poisons into our medications. Right. And so we're having reactions. Well, yeah, it's interesting because, like I said, I, I did not experience um, the tunnel or, or any of that. I, I sort of blacked out and would come in and out of moments of consciousness. I, I don't recall any of the, you know, seeing anything on the other side. But what, but what I do remember is there was no fear. There was, and so I tell people, I, I used to say, well, the body goes into shock and it protects you. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. What really? What if there's another way to say that? But like, in, in other words, when it was happening, there was no pain, there was no fear. Um, the fear only happened after I, I survived and I woke up and my brother was dead. And, and similar to you, I all my motor functions had shut down, so it took me a while to get that back, and I wasn't burned. And I mean, I, mean, I could say I was brain damaged, but that's, <laughs> that's debatable. So, but I kind of blocked all that out. Like I just, as a teenager, you got to, in the South, especially you don't talk about it. Let's just keep it moving. It kind of started hitting me later. At 21 to 29. Well, I had that pretty, I did that stage and I thought I had it all under control. And then thirties were great. Forties, really when I turned 50, four years ago, I got slammed again with all the, all this anxiety and stuff, fear that, you know, fear-based stuff that came back. Because I think sometimes when you've had a near-death experience, you kind of think you're a target at times. I always used to think, well, something... And a lot of other things have happened. I drove right into a tornado when I was 18, and I survived. You know, mm-hmm. My first day in L.A. in 1987 was a Whittier earthquake. I'd never felt an earthquake before. I've had some bizarre medical situations happen that never, like should have happened and I don't know why it happened but I survived, I'm, survived that and um, so anyway I just feel like I. so when I turned 50 I remember saying to my therapist when does this stop does this does this being a 1% kind of thing stop or is it just part of well can I just jump yeah. in here for me because like you head on car collision falling off a mountain I mean I could go down the list of the what I call the exit points mm-hmm. what it's taught me 
was every moment that I'm on this planet is a gift. Yeah. And, you know, for me medically, I go in, they can't figure me out to this day. Right. So you have to become your own kind of life coach mm-hmm. of, of your medical conditions and the medicines you're putting in. Right. But it also goes back to what I said about choice. You, you take the choice, and the choice that I'm hearing from you right now is when is this over? It's over now. Right. You know, perhaps the reason why you're hearing me today is I learned to live in the mm-hmm. now. I say to myself, what time is it? It's now. Well, when, I'm really good. I'll go like a 10-year period, and I'll be like, in the now, you know, and then maybe it's just a life well, change. You're just being reminded to a go life back change to that. happens, yeah. a change or something it's a like trauma, that. A trauma, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, because what do you think? Did you do you feel you had PTSD at all from any of this experience? But with again, people, <laughs> we're not getting into your dating life, or oh, your, no. your personal life. I mean, you should have seen that coming. Oh, good night. Thank you. Tip your tip your waitress. Oh, Try the wow. liver. We'll be here all week. But I mean, you know, because it's interesting. It's just changing your mind around the words PTSD. Like you said, it's like you make a choice to to embrace it and realize, you know, we have a choice every day to be. We're here for a reason. Well, you know, I can live in a negative conscious or I can live in a positive conscious. I'm kind of like the Pollyanna of life these days, where before I was like, you know, uh, 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 everything was like, this is just tragic. Right. You know, I don't look <laughs> at life just tragically <laughs> tragic. But I just kind of go in life, just, I'm happy. Right. I'm but very it's, happy. It's too bad sometimes I always say, like, you know, it's sad sometimes that it takes a medical diagnosis or something to remind people to wake up. Because I can tell you, like, yeah, I, I remember. I also, though, because I was younger, I was very, I acted out. Like, I when I first came back and I was 13, I had been the perfect kid before. And see, I sort of stole a car and did, I mean, not stole a car, but like drove a friend's car. Well, you were just doing without, things that were not correct. I was correct. doing, yeah, bad stuff. Yeah. I think sort of like mad at the mad at God for my brother dying or, or whatever, but that's sort of a teenage, teenage situation. But I do know that I, it, it started me on a spiritual path mm-hmm. as well. And I eventually found A Course in Miracles and it was always, I was drawn to more non-secular, non-typically religious kind of things. Well, so that all made sense to me because it just seemed perfect to my consciousness. Right. And so for me, you know, like Marion Williamson, I would go we talked about Dwayne that. Dyer, I would do that. I mean, anything that was just really way off the beaten path, I was right there. Did you First do Louise my, Hay? Do you Louise, Louise Hay? Hay? Oh, love yeah. that lady. Yeah. God rest her soul. Marilyn Ferguson, uh, you know, Tony Robbins. I mean, I just, for me, these are the people who had the answers. Right. And you were and, drawn to it. Now people... You're doing that for other people. Yeah. So now as wild? you travel around and lecture, people are talking, saying, you know, I went to see Peter Anthony and it changed my life. And so it's interesting how you're giving well, back. Well, it's called resurrection energy. Right. You know, I mean, I basically resurrected, as did you, Right. you know, if you will, from death. And, you know, you go through your, your, I guess, your radical stage and your mad stage and your, you know, why did this happen to me and how dare you? and. Yeah. And you finally come to peace with it. At least I did. Right. And then that's when my life kicked in. Yeah. No more attachments to anything. I let go of the attachment, and that has allowed me to come to, to terms of being in peace. Which is great. And therefore, whatever I ask for, I you know I I do appeal to the universe, purchase order of the universe. I ask for mm-hmm. how to be of service. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the money. Don't care about the check. Don't care about 
any of that stuff. Just what do you want me to do? I'll show up and do. Well, what I you still want. care about the check. Well, but you know, <laughs> no, it, no, but you kidding. know, yeah, but I don't. I mean, but I you, just dump you, the attachment you know, to it, but, and money flows. I heard you say in a recent interview about how somehow money just happens, and people have said that to me. Like they always go, Jasper, you know finances seem to be okay with you like you know you don't i they just kind of flow and but i think it's a reciprocal energy too well we've been taught to be consumed with money Mm -hmm. in terms of its consciousness and what it does and you know i thought but when me again blind in a wheelchair uh years and years of recovery you go away appreciating every day i get up and take a walk i can see right and i go back to i can walk right you know, think about you being struck by lightning. That you could have had a lot of other things happen in your life that oh. could have been more well, challenging. I had, I had a medically. lot of survivor guilt. You know, the movie Ordinary oh, People. Do you remember the yes. movie? With, well, that was my family. She was my Mary Tyler Moore. That was my mother because my mother had been an alcoholic for many, many years. But anyway, so I, de- I was dealing with survivor's guilt also. Like, why did you survive and not him? And that's a whole other show. Yeah, but, but, you but, know. but look what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at today what you're doing. I right. mean, you're bringing me on. So there is purpose yeah. to what you're doing. And I think you know, you're wearing many hats. Yeah. Yes, I'm Jamaican. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Without the dreadlocks. Although I could probably do dreads with my hair, right? Yeah. And Jasper's yeah. a very grateful person because I always see him posting online all the time, you know, thank you for this, thank you for that. Like, And I think that's another reason why the money flows oh, is because the you. gratitude, the power of gratitude. Bingo. Yeah. You just nailed it. Because people ask me, what is your key to success? I yeah. said gratitude. Yeah. Right. You know, it, it is. You know, yeah. I, I go find every- that's what's missing. Well, yeah, we're, we're taught to get yeah. rather than to allow. And not to not to be that old guy that's going to like you know shit on the younger generation, but it it's what don't that's the only thing I know. Like I'm really impressed with millennials in in many many ways, but I noticed that, and I don't know it may just be because they they are so insular and they're so into their devices and they're not. But I don't see that instead of a gratitude, it's almost like there's an entitlement. Mm. So you can't really have gratitude when you're entitled because you're expecting. But something. you bring something up. This is why I'm traveling around the world and kind of reprogram people to right. think about, mm-hmm. why don't you come from a place of what can I give rather than get? get. Yeah. Because I don't care how much you get, you know, that part of consciousness is never enough. So it's right. a lack consciousness. You can never so fill you that teach, hole. Yeah, you never fill it up. Right. So when you teach people something different, you know, what can you do that really just sparks your interest? I teach people how to find their authentic purpose. Yes. And when you give them that... And you give them hope, yeah. they will run. Because it, don't you feel like if you really talk to someone heart, uh, heart to heart, that everyone has that thing that they really feel they want to do or should be doing, but they just, a lot of them aren't doing it. But what do you think is blocking that? Because they don't know where to start. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to begin. They don't know, you know, what they're, what, you know, and me, I said, I didn't know I was going to write a book. I thought, okay, sit down and write. Someone's the universe, God, spirit, if you want to, the guides mm-hmm. are telling me to write a book. So here I'm writing my book on sticky notes. You know, well, I mean, think about that. How many gifted writers have sat down on their computers and I'm here on sticky notes writing my book? You well, know, it was you just cha- start you, somewhere. You were being channeled. It was flowing. Yeah, you just, you know, you take baby steps. And, you know, we all want to be the CEO in 15 minutes. I don't wear that title. I want to learn everything along the way. Right. And, that and be was, open. We have to be open to... Well, that's yeah. how you receive... What's coming. You know, and it's hard I was, to, yeah, to I let mean, go I, of the old tapes. So anyone that you know showed up in my life, like the editor, said, "Yeah, I'll be a part of this." It's like, "Well, thank you. I appreciate this." Yeah. So tell everyone how they can 
find where you're lecturing. Is that on your website as well? Yeah, we're getting ready. I'm, gosh, next year, 2019. I've just come off of a 23-city uh, book tour. So I'm next year, Maui, Canada, South America, and the East Coast. Wow. And all these dates are coming in. And this is a book, you guys, listen, this is a book that everyone turned down. Mm. And um, no one wanted it. And it only takes one yes. Yeah. It only takes one yes. And so are you, So would you say um, you're finding on these tours that you're, you're, you're also connecting with other near-death experience people who've had you No, know, my audience, you guys, this is wild. I have UFO uh, uh, oh, seers, oh. anything paranormal, uh, abductees, uh, Reiki master. I have near-death experiencers. I have... Um, God, the circle of life. Uh, it's just the most <laughs> psychic. I look at my crowd going, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. You know, but they're very interesting yeah. people. It's like a conscious life expo. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, guys, this is all my <laughs> lectures are all word of mouth. This yeah. has not come through a manager wow. or an agent. People hear about my lectures. They call me up, and then I show up, and I'm sold out. That's well, awesome. you also make yourself accessible. They can email you directly or mm-hmm. contact you directly. So Absolutely, people yeah. People know how to reach out and get in touch with you. And then the you know the, the book Keymaster has been twice this past year on top one hundred books. Yeah, you know, so it's kind of like not that I'm going yang 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 back to the be. to the lit agents and the publishers, but I've learned never to listen to experts. Listen to your heart. Listen mm-hmm. to your heart because your truth will tell you where to go. Right. Right. And that's part of the reason I think passion gets buried is because everybody tries to tell you who you are versus who you Well, the opinions really of other are. people yeah. negate mm-hmm. your path. Yeah. And so I said, listen to your heart, not the opinions of others. Because the opinions of others, I mean, my agent at the time said, don't do sightings. CBS said, don't go to sightings. It was the best thing that ever happened in my life. Yeah. People said to me, don't write the book. You know, you're very successful. Or well, I'm written a book. And, mm-hmm. you know, everything that you do leads to the ultimate. I love how you say the purchase order. You put a purchase order in and you just trust that it will be delivered exactly as you place the order. Th- that's it. You know, yeah. when you, as I said, you've heard me on that video. So, yeah. you know, if I order chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes, I'm going to get that. <laughs> you know, I'm not getting spaghetti. Well, so I put that out to the universe. Restaurant you're at. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few in Palm Springs that you never even heard of chicken fried steak, yeah. have you? <laughs> well, I love when you said that. I was going to say, biscuits. well, you know, sawmill gravy or red eye gravy. <laughs> Oh yeah, both white or red, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's the message is we have to just trust. And we, what I want to talk about is intuition, mm. because I know you talk about that as well. Like I always say, for me, intuition is the voice of God. If it, you can make it whoever you want it to be, but I know when I go against that voice, it it, it always I end up back to it, and I have maybe I've been knocked down seven times to get back to it. I'm learning if I just listen and do what it says the first time, I'll save a lot of time and drama. You just said it. Right. Mm-hmm. I live my life by intuition. Right. I don't go to logic. I and mean, you can walk into a room and you know, oh, I shouldn't be at this party. I leave. I leave. You know, um, don't turn down this street. I don't turn down that street. I have learned to listen to my intuition. Right. So when that voice speaks to me, write your book, I write. Right. You know, when you go to this city, I go. I have this thing with people like i've gotten very good about connecting or disconnecting oh, you know yeah. and I, my husband dennis and dennis is uh, a libra and he's amazing he loves every mm-hmm. he likes to keep the scales balanced and people love him and yes. but sometimes he doesn't um well he sees the best in everybody and i don't yeah. i mean i i see <laughs> well we're both I, in the industry <laughs> <laughs> no but i mean i see the best in the true genuine people right. but now i can just n- nip it in the bud right away mm-hmm. and i'll just say to him 
um, I don't need to go out with those. I don't need to see them for dinner again. He's like, well, but they're, I'm like, no, I'm not going to just, I'm not going. But, but that has led you to the right choice. Right. Because I, that was my biggest challenge when coming back because I trusted everybody. Right. Yeah. You know, I came back in, in my late 20s, really came back as a five-year-old. Right. You know, so I trusted everybody. You were like, you know, wide-eyed. And, and and I just believe I thought I'm going to go seek out the priest, and he's going to tell me why I am well, seeing be angels. <laughs> oh my God! Unless he's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it, it was not a very know, positive conversation. That confessional please have him hot. Come on, <laughs> JW. Honestly, if you were going to, oh if you had to be molested, <laughs> edit. Would you, you would not want them to be a troll. Absolutely right? not. not. Edit. Okay. That's okay. Just That's a whole other show. That can be spiritual. Cool. No, it's something and, about the uniform. Go and ahead. Holy, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, but no. So so I'm learning to. Uh, I have pretty good instincts about mm. people. And mm. what's been great about that is I attract really wonderful people, and then I weed out the negative people. Mm. Not well, always. I mean, no, people slip I've, through. Yeah, I do the same yeah. thing. I just I thought you know no no yes yeah. But mine are all left centered. And I tend to attract the left-centered personality, and well, that's where I've, we I've, do, I've we talk yes. about that. We do, I do too. Yeah, I'm drawn to that. Those are my brethren. <laughs> but mm-hmm. is it because it makes us feel better about ourselves? No, because I like whack jobs. Right. You know, not not meaning the people who are interesting, eccentric, and the loners, eccentric. the eccentric right. pe- personalities, the creative genius. Mm-hmm. Well, don't you think? Because on some level, we feel that way about ourselves. We think we're sort of. You know how you, uh, for me, I was like, you know, I'm not fitting here and fitting in with this group. And I, an example, when I was going to the lectures, I was like, all these people that were showing up, but they were so anxious to share their stories. And I could relate because I've done so much homework mm-hmm. as an experiencer reading on everything right. that I became like the, you know, the Johnny Know-it-all. Right. And um, so, and they would listen. And so for me, they were more interesting or do people are people surprised that you quote now when I say this seems so normal in terms of like your appearance like you're not eccentric looking you know there's a there's an image a lot of people have of like the super uh, holistic sort of hippie mm-hmm. guru you know like dreads and and f- Peter's very grounded hemp clothing yeah. and yeah. you know the whole thing yeah like you just look like you know a, a boy well for me one of the first things I learned in terms of recovery when I sort of you know getting my physical body back body mind and spirit mm-hmm. those are all one right and so taking good care of my body when I became a paranormal investigator, I would double up on working out, doing right. more cardio. Mm-hmm. So for me being physically fit is it is imperative. Right. And then my mind, I have to have plenty of rest. Mm-hmm. And so I'm being charged by these people that I call left center right. because their conversations hit my aha. Mm-hmm. And so for me, being around these people, being physically fit, Fit and then eating great foods. Right. So you basically be- combine all of that together and you become your person. And that's how I ground myself. Yeah. So do you yeah. do you do Q and A's at your? Oh, absolutely. So it's a Q and A. Do you lecture first generally? Lecture first, and I have. And then you open it up. To, well, they, they, the facilitators say, "Okay, we're going to have a twenty-minute, you know, Q and A." It goes on hours. Longer. <laughs> I've had them follow me to the cab to the yeah. airport. Yeah. Right. I'm serious. Right. They just you know they can't get enough. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are right now. I'm going to stress something here. Where I've traveled, and I've traveled all around the world, people are hungry for information. Yeah, they want to know. And what I found out on this last YouTube video I did, the people all around that are reaching out to me, they feel somehow or another that, I, that I'm 
a real person mm-hmm. and they want to share their real story right. with someone real. Right. And so I allow them permission to say, yeah. no, you're not crazy. This did happen to you. Right. And let them share their story. Well, people want to be heard. You've been there when people didn't believe oh, you. Yeah, I know. And they that. didn't want to talk to you. And you're very yeah. authentic. And they oh, can sense yeah, that. thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm very real about yeah. it because it was such a struggle, as I said, mm-hmm. for seven years where people didn't care, didn't listen, and the friends and the relationships that left me because of my near-death experience. And also as a paranormal investigator, you know, hi, honey, I'm going to be home late tonight. i got to go to the cemetery. You know, those things in terms of dating, you know, are not easy things to come home to. And that can be tough, too, because you would have to have a a great sense of boundaries in the sense of energetic cords. Great sense of boundaries, yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. It's very, very important to me. Which reminded me of something, too, that we, we have a connection to. You know, my brother was 16 when he was killed by lightning and you're you had a sister mm. at 16, 16 yeah. who died at she was hit by, by a drunk, drunk driver. driver yeah wow yeah and also numerology the 16 7 is, is considered the falling tower you know someone dies and someone rises mm. so we go back to your oh. brother you know uh maybe his time was up and, yeah i've um, always felt he was an and, he was but, definitely but, an old soul but i bet you he's still around you uh, yeah, he always has been. But yeah, it's interesting. My sister. When yeah. I've had um, readings with mediums, he he doesn't he has never come through. And the last uh, time I talked to someone about that, they she was explaining to me that sometimes um, they don't come through when, if you still have un, unresolved issues around their around them at all. And it's interesting. I don't didn't think I had any issues around them or their passings, but I. But I, I think I still do. So they've never, he's never come through in Does a reading. Does he visit you in your dreams at all? Have you ever had a dream about? Oh, him? he has come in my dreams, and I learned okay. recently that for the longest time, I don't like a lot of people. I discounted dreams. I mm-hmm. thought. Then I learned that's when you're sort no. of at your most receptive. Well, you are because you've reached the REM cycle, the, you know, right. the alpha, the beta, the theta, and the delta consciousness. So that's and when, that's when spirits very, come in. visit us. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we, once I learned that, then I started thinking, oh my God, well, yeah, this person came and visited me and so now I'm aware of it and I tell people that as well mm-hmm. like if, if if a loved one comes to you in your dreams they're actually because I've had friends say to me well you know I never I never get a sign that anyone's around me they'll go but I mean I have dreams about my mom and I'm like well that's well that is a sign and here's why you most people are not prepared to have a spirit come and talk to them right yeah. the first time I saw a ghost, was at the foot of my hospital bed, and it was a Native American Indian telling me what medications to start taking in order to heal my body. Wow. So I was telling the doctor, we need this, we need that. And they were looking at me like, where are you getting all this information from? But I was, I, <laughs> the, right. the ghost that appeared on the foot of my bed. Yeah. And then they <laughs> had another good story to tell their wife <laughs> yeah. when they went home. There, yeah, there yeah. he is again, you know. Honey, Peter, <laughs> my patient Peter had another good story today. But it worked, I bet. It did work. Yeah. You know, I weaned myself off those medications mm-hmm. and started taking acidophilus and all kinds of vitamins and different food combinations. And I still do that today. Yeah. So, yeah. So, as I said, so for me, as I said, it, I listen to those dreams, dreams because they're always guiding us. Yeah, we've talked, JW and I have talked about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. What would you do if you saw your brother at the foot of the bed in the middle of the night? Would you freak out? Oh, well. I mean, but, if he just appeared to you. Oh, yeah. Well, now I probably wouldn't because I'm. Well, you're a little bit more advanced. A little more thing, you know, right. open to it. But but in general, yeah, most people would. Yeah, that's. And so we, if you're not prepared for that physical visitation yeah. in the middle of the night, 
you ain't ready for it. So if they come into you in the dream state, that's, that's kind of a guiding principle. Well, I'm also dealing with, I'm, I'm in a blessed place right now because um, I'm taking care of a dear friend who's going, uh, making her transition. She's 94 mm. and she's in ho- in-home hospice. And so um, this has been another amazing journey to be there to watch her. Now, she was born Jewish, but not religiously Jewish, agnostic her whole entire life. And it's interesting because just in the last month or so, she actually said to me the other day, I wonder where the nearest temple is around here. She's a, we brought her to Palm Springs. Uh-huh. Um, and, but she's had uh, visits from her mom and dad. At the, what is this about at the foot of the bed? Because well, they because both have visited her. At the foot of the bed. And there's always, always been this. standing up in the, in the room in, in, in a corner. But you hear this a lot about when someone's getting closer mm-hmm. to their transition. Uh, Spirits will come, loved ones will appear. Well, that know. means their time is near. That's what, and she knows, so she knows that. Like, she got, she, she's spiritual. She was a psychologist, but, but that's the first time, you know, she said to me, I, I definitely know it's near because I've been seeing my well, mom and dad. Uh, well, absolutely. Foot. They normally what happens is that it's usually the relatives. And then what happens after that? I mean, I had one of like in her final days in hospice was seeing Native American Indians outside of her hospital bed. What is this about Native American? That's interesting. Well, I mean, it's just going back were, to the beginning. Well, I know, but just probably so. Spiritual. You don't know. This was in Palm mm-hmm. Springs, so we don't know if oh, the Native Americans was, lived oh, here on of this. Of course, this yeah. was. A, yeah. But she was Ancestry. tapping into. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't know. I mean, I when people are at that last stage of their life, I I ask them. What are you seeing? Who are you talking to? Mm-hmm. Has your husband come in? Has your boyfriend come in? What about your sister? And then they just open up and tell me. Well, I mean, she was seeing Native American Indians. She's seeing buggies, you know, horses, carriages, wow. everything. And I was like, and it was me as a writer. I'm going. This is pretty intriguing. Now, what do you what do you think of past life or reincarnation? Oh, without a doubt. When I crossed over. First thing I learned when I crossed over was past lives. Right. We have lived here over and over and over. And where I take issue with the church all around the world, the Christianity, this was a practicing faith of reincarnation, a, a thought. And uh, it was the Nietzsche Council that dismissed it. And so uh, the truth of reincarnation and past lives was a teaching of the original church, the really? Catholic I Church. Didn't know that yes. And so Constantinople took it out. Because this way they could control the yes, people the with people. fear. Oh, so that's what, that's so where the, whole the truth became the lie. Thing. The lie became the Fear-based. truth. Fear-based. Yeah. yeah. Got the wrath of God. And- yeah. So, you know, so as I said, so you go in and you educate people. And, and not everyone's going to take to this. But, right. you know, but those who get it. Get it. They do get it. So, now, yes, it's, it's, so it's a re-education. That's why we're in the age of Aquarius, right? And we are here given new information that is old information that was before. Right. It's just kind of re-educating people. You know, well, it's like even take your basic uh, average person who is not really into, quote, this kind of stuff. But they all talk about deja vu. You know, well, they'll all say, I, oh, that was the deja vu moment. And I had an atheist interview me on a radio show who was atheist and believe anything. It was a horrible interview. And then he said, well, just, just you know, before we go off the air, he said, just give me something to, to work with. I said, do you ever have deja vu? And he said, yeah. I said, well, then you're tapping into something precognitive. So I said, so you see, so if you're having, and he had frequent deja vu. So. But see, he's not, he just dismisses but it he like a lot of people. Yeah, they don't want to go there because go. people, reason why? Because they're afraid of being judged. Afraid of being yeah. judged. Now, the time is flying, but I do want to briefly just talk about the political climate. Just in terms of. Oh, please. We're, we're not <laughs> going to get like into our personal opinion, but just in a spiritual sense of what is your take on what's happening? Because I have a. 
with beyond my anger and bitchiness about Trump or whatever, I came to the realization the other day that it it has been a great thing in in, in the respect of a, a of oh, an awakening. Yeah. You know, the hashtag woke. Yeah. But it's it's energized people spiritually, it's energized them politically. We've got all these amazing women that ran for office or whatever. So in a in a way, he his legacy will be that he sort of was like the Antichrist who showed up and well, said... Well, you say something very powerful. He is the Antichrist consciousness. Consciousness. You know, this man is a fixated on the 666. So you have to take a look at that. Not that he's the Antichrist, no. but he's the opposite of the Christ consciousness. Right. And the Christ consciousness is about uniting and helping and caring. He doesn't care. No, only you know, about He doesn't himself. unite. Right. So I think... So, so the positive upbeat of this is that look at the people that have been awakened because right. of him. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it took the anger mm-hmm. and then it has... The it, fear. And the fear. And now people are becoming resourceful. Right. And they're doing something with it. There are leaders here. I mean, I've even heard of, of, of O'Rourke in, in Texas. Right. But look what this man has done. Right. And he has an audience that's right. listening to him. So again, he's this new hero that's stepped onto stepped the platform. Up. And it's like in Georgia and Florida, you know, with the Stacey Abrams and Gillum. It's 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 also it's also on one hand it, it's dug the racist up out of the ground, but at the same time it's galvanized people to fight against that even more. So. Well, where we are in consciousness right now and it's it's called the healing of America. Mm-hmm. And whether it's racism, whether it's, you know, child abuse, whether an example like pet abuse, right. um, you know, what I'm doing here, all this information has been just shelved down for so many years, decades, centuries. And so for me, the truth is coming out and these new truth leaders, these what I call new thought leaders are emerging onto the horizon. So I'm thrilled. I think we're in great times. We're in great times. And I think I think it's only going to get better. So so in conclusion, that was my my theory now is, you know, everything happens for a reason. That's so cliche, but even with Trump. But in the moment, we can't see that. Well, we may not like it, but there are people around this, this as of this new horizon they're amazing. Amazing. You know, I, I look at, was it Stacey Abrams? Yeah, from Georgia. I, I, I was amazed at her energy. Yeah. And I was amazed that she was not going to back down. Right. And that's what we need. Right. We're not here to back down. You know, there's, I'm going to go real Christian on you. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the mm-hmm. earth. It didn't say the pharmaceutical companies. It didn't say the oil companies and the Democrats and the Republicans. It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. These are the meek people, what I call the left center, that are rising now. And we are the heroes of this planet. We are the new thought leaders, and we're here to make a difference. And and the women and the that are not going to take any more shit from straight white men. Women have been just persecuted for decades. Enough is enough. Right. Stand up and do something with your life first. Right. You know, don't worry about the Time's Trumps up. and that. Yeah, but you know what? Do what you can right now for you. Right. Start believing in you, and other people will show up and listen to you. Right. And make a difference. So there you have it, Peter Anthony, accidentalprofit.com. Everyone, please go no check out. No accident there. There are no accidents <laughs> in life. So check out Peter's yeah. website. Peter, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I you. I told everyone we need three hours at least. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to come but back. Thank you for taking yeah. the journey from Palm Springs into. Your old stomping grounds here. <laughs> yes, Some ghosts around here, yeah, right? For right. sure. JW, great to see you as always. Blessed to be here. Thank you. Yes. Thank I you. wanted nice you, I wanted you. you guys to connect yeah. and to meet. So that happened. Everyone, uh, have a wonderful holiday. It, it, if you've already had your holiday when you're listening to this, uh, 
We love you all. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, peace out. Bye. Thanks for checking out One on One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. Every legend is built. This one starts with a frame. We raised a great stature and gave it a name. The BMW X7. It's the biggest one yet. Fitting power and style, the best you can get. An all-leather interior, it's luxury shows. So we kept it right up for all of three rows. With its dynamic driving, you chase your desires. The true mark of this legend is how it inspires. The first ever BMW X7. Make every day legendary. Exceptional offers through BMW Financial Services at BMWNYC.com. BMW of Manhattan. Driven by more. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to click on the banner ad entitled, You Won't Believe What These Child Stars Look Like Now. Be dissatisfied, and kind of sad, about how the child stars look. And now your computer is plagued by incessant pop-up ads. Oh, this can't be good. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 clickbait minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.